hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Visiting with your families, despite the panicked advo- advice from the resident imbecile, Dr. Antonio Fauci, who needs to be fired in short order. Uh, I wanted to wait until tomorrow to bring you a podcast, but things have been happening so quickly that I just couldn't resist. I had to give you at least a short podcast this evening. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by going to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and simply searching for NP Online, usually N period P period online. Uh, You probably have already found it uh, that way, but in the event that you've stumbled upon us through our hosting service, podbean.com, and you'd like to listen to it directly through your native podcast aggregator app, depending on whether you're an Android user or an iPhone user, that's the place to find us. In the alternative, if you prefer to listen on Podbean and you found us for some reason in one of the either of the other two places I just mentioned, just download the free Podbean app and subscribe that way. Please write us a review. The more reviews we get, the more positive feedback we get, the more quickly the show will gain in popularity as it will come up more frequently in search results in both of those two online stores. And that, after all, is the objective. So as I stated, I planned on waiting until tomorrow to give you some new information, but there's just too many things that are happening. uh, And I thought that, uh, well, why wait? Why wait when you can uh, you get the strike while the iron is hot, so to speak? And so that's precisely what we intend to do. Just a little update. We'll probably expand on it more tomorrow. Now that the holidays are over, we're fast approaching the new year. We're fast approaching that all-important January 6th deadline. Now, why am I talking about the January 6th deadline? Well, if you've been a regular listener to this program and to many other programs out there in the media, you know that that is the official day. That's the day that really counts. Not December 14th, when the states send their electors to be certified, but January 6th, when Congress, the new Congress, sits in, in session, joint session, or separate sessions, rather, and they count the electoral votes and they certify them and validate them for the man who's going to be the next president. But the president pro temp of the Senate is still the vice president from the previous administration because the president and the vice president are not sworn in until January 20th, where new congressional members, I believe, are sworn in on the 1st of January. That's when their term begins. So there's a little bit of an overlap in power structure there. Now, what's required is at least one member of each chamber bringing an objection. And there seems to be no shortage of people in the House of Representatives who are willing to raise this issue. Matt Getz from Florida, Jim Jordan from Ohio. Uh, but there seems to be a paucity of senators who are willing to do this. In fact, many senators are poo-pooing this, uh, which is to their discredit and disgrace. Now, I think... Uh, Rand Paul could probably be counted upon to do something about it. But we have Mitch McConnell saying that he wants to congratulate um, uh, Vice President Biden, uh, President-elect Biden, 
Uh, he doesn't want anybody challenging anything. We have a constitutional method for doing these things and so forth and so on. And therefore, we don't want to rock the boat. But in any event, that doesn't hold much water with me. Because Mitch McConnell, I've now learned, took a lot of money in his campaign from Dominion lobbyists. Thousands of dollars, actually. Uh, he quashed, squashed two election integrity bills in July of last year after receiving these thousands in, in donations from Dominion lobbyists. How did that not be covered by any of the major agencies? It says here in July, in this site that I'm looking at where I have this information, in July, McConnell blocked two bills, one that would provide $775 million to bolster election security, along with requiring a physical paper trail of every single ballot cast in the country, and a second that would mandate political candidates, their staff members, and their families to notify the FBI if any foreign government offered to assist them. Seems like rather prudent stuff. Why would the Senate Majority Leader, who ostensibly wants to help his president get reelected, squash such important and reasonable bills? Clearly, this request is not a serious effort to make a law. Clearly, something so partisan that it only received one single solitary Republican vote in the House is not going to travel through the Senate by unanimous consent, said Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor as he refused to allow the bills to even be put to a vote. However, within the previous year, multiple lobbyists representing Dominion voting systems and election systems and software, who together make up around 80% of all voting machines in the country, donated thousands of dollars to the McConnell campaign. David Cohen and Brian Wilde, both of lobbyists Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, Shrek, who lobbied for Dominion in 2019, donated 2000 and 1000 respectively to McConnell. At the same time, Emily Curlin and Jen Olson, who have lobbied for ES&S, also donated 1000 each. So this man's got his hand out to anyone. And it never seems to cease to fascinate me how these people who never worked in the real world managed to go into the service of the American people, ostensibly, in government, and come out all the richer for it. You know, before there was Rush Limbaugh, there was one man on radio who might have been considered the forefather of the Rush. Rush Limbaugh clearly changed everything, but there was one man who did it locally in New York first. He had a take-no-prisoners sort of style. His name was Bob Grant. He's since passed on. But Bob Grant used to say something, and I was a guest on his show on a couple of occasions. And one of the things he said was, Never beware the man on the take. Beware the man on the make. Well, I think it may be time to modify that. I understand what Bob was talking about. Someone who's a thief, he's got designs on stealing, but someone who's trying to make himself something more than he is, he's a real danger. Those are the Joe Bidens of the world. He's on the make, but he's also been on the take. So when you have a man who's doing both, He's no good. And Joe Biden is no good. Neither is his whole damn family. But there's more to this. It isn't just uh, Mitch McConnell who's taking this tone. You have John Thune. He's the majority whip in the Senate. Now, what is the majority whip? The majority whip is a position 
is also a minority whip, and you have them both in the Senate and the House. These are the people that are supposed to whip, so to speak, like a jockey whipping a horse, legislation through to try and get it through the various houses and get it to the floor to a vote. So it's all an old boys club. John Thune also will not support a challenge to the electoral seating, saying, I'm hoping in the end that all senators will conclude that this election needs to be over with and it's time to move on. How magnanimous of you, Mr. Thune. We need to move on. I wonder if we would be moving on if it was your election who was robbed right out from under you. We only need to move on because it's Donald Trump. That's a statement I would expect from that piece of garbage Chuck Schumer or anybody else in the Democratic Party, not from a fellow Republican. Likewise, we have John Cornyn from the great state of Texas. It's basically going through the motions, Cornyn said, of objecting on January 6th, according to the news outlet. It's a futile exercise. Well, it needn't be a futile exercise, Senator Cornyn. I used to have a lot of respect for you. I don't anymore. It's only futile because you and your ilk are futile people. An election was stolen in plain sight. 73 million Americans know it. The only people who don't seem to know it or don't seem to care are you. You and the Mitch McConnells and the John Thunes of the world. And I don't realize whether you know it or not, but if you don't stand up for the president... Look, the Republican Party was in the wilderness. It was dead. Barack Obama crushed you. He blew you out of the water. He shouldn't have been able to, but he did, because you guys don't have any balls. He just crushed you and whipped you down. Donald Trump brought the Republican Party back. One of the only people in the old guard that actually understood that and respected him, and I wish he'd be coming out and saying, is the former senator from Utah, Orrin Hatch, who said publicly to President Trump, when they were all gathered, you've been one hell of a leader, and we're going to get this country straightened out. I wish we had a man like Orrin Hatch still around instead of that piece of garbage Mitt Romney sitting in his seat. But Donald Trump saved the Republican Party, and if the Republican Party doesn't turn around and save Donald Trump, if these state legislatures in these swing states don't reseat the electors and fight to have Donald Trump retained in the Oval Office come January 20th, they will have signed their own death warrant. There is no reason to keep the Republican Party around any longer if they, can't, if they cannot save this good man. Now, I've heard the argument made for years, and I'm sure you all have as well, that, well, what are we going to do? We just have to hold our nose and vote for them, like when Mitt Romney ran in 2012. What was the alternative? We were going to vote for Obama? No, we'll just have to hold our nose and vote for Mitt Romney. Well, I held my nose, and Mitt Romney lost. And if I had seen what I'm seeing now from this piece of garbage, I wouldn't have voted for him at all. I would have wrote my own name in on on the ballot, or I would have wrote for a third-party candidate. I sure as hell wasn't going to vote for Obama. But what good is it, holding your nose and voting for these half-wits, these rhinos? When they get in, they don't do anything. You know, I used to be a big buff on mythology. Greek mythology you're all familiar with. Norse mythology people are less familiar with. In the Norse philosophy, because they were such austere people... Evil eventually was going to defeat good. And Odin, who was the equivalent of Zeus, you know, the Greek god, he was the head of paradise, Asgard, where all these Norse gods held out. And 
He knew that ultimately the forces of good would lose to the forces of evil. His job, though, being the wisest of all the gods in Asgard, was to forestall as long as possible the inevitable. And that seems to be exactly the sort of game that the Republicans play. It's almost as if they accept as inevitable that the Democrats and the leftists will win. And that their job is just to make it as difficult as possible, slow it down, while continuing to stay in power to themselves themselves to the extent that they can, and enrich themselves during this period of decline of the GOP and the ascendancy of leftism. I don't take that position, and neither does Donald Trump. And that's why, if they fail to save Trump, they're going to be in for a rude awakening, because at this point, it'll be worth the gamble to us. Why should we continue to vote for Republicans and just ensure a slow decline when we have to put dig our heels in, start a new Patriot Party, which Trump will be at the forefront of, eliminate all these GOP wusses, and fight these Democrats tooth and nail, and fight them in the street if necessary, because we're fighting for the country. Make no mistake about it, these Democrats are not Americans. They're traitors to the Constitution. They're traitors to the American dream. They're traitors to American sovereignty. They're traitors to individual liberty and freedom. They are fellow travelers with the Communist Chinese Party. And I believe if some courageous journalist digs deep enough, and he can manage not to get himself killed in the process, they're going to find out that not only was this Chinese virus manufactured, but it wasn't by accident that it was let out. It was let out deliberately. And the Democrats were a willing participant to use it to get this mail-in voting, because by fraud was the only way they knew they could get Donald Trump out. And they still haven't gotten him out. But if these Republicans don't save him, that's it. All of our energies should go towards building a new party to replace Republicans, not serving or helping a single Republican. Those good Republicans, the Jim Jordans of the world, the Matt Getzes of the world, those men, those women, like the girl from upstate New York, Stefanik, will hold out the big carrot to them and we'll invite them into the Patriot Party. But if they don't want to come on board, that's it. We can't support them if they stay in the Republican Party because we can't allow the Republicans to have any seats or any majorities because they don't know how to be in control. So the good Republicans that are still around, we'll invite them to the Patriot Party. Everybody else is going to be expunged. I'll give you examples why. But before we do that, I want to touch on one thing. Getting back to the January 20th showdown. Rudy Giuliani, President's attorney, one of many, is saying that election-related cases are going to blow up after Christmas. This from the Epic Times. Election-related lawsuits and similar matters are going to blow up after Christmas, according to President Donald Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, uh, who made the statement this week. Now, given that Christmas was on a Friday, then we had the weekend immediately after, I can assume that beginning tomorrow, or thereabouts, we can start seeing this. In a self-hosted podcast episode, and it's, it's, it's sad that Giuliani has to do this in a self-hosted podcast episode because the major news agencies are so beholding to the left that they don't want to have him on anymore. But in this self-hosted podcast, Giuliani told listeners that there is considerable movement 
in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin towards decertification of the election results of the election results amid a growing body of evidence of election fraud. So starting after Christmas, this is really going to blow up. Because the evidence that all these crooked television networks, newspapers, big tech, and the leadership of the Democratic Party have been giving you is false information. And you're not going to you're going to find that out all at once. It's going to be very shocking to the country. Now this is important, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because of what I just said, we can't expect much help from the swamp rats on January sixth. But if the states themselves, who have the plenary power to select their own electors, if the state legislatures themselves in these states recall the electors that the governor and the secretary of state unlawfully seated and seat their own who are pledged to Donald Trump, Congress can't do a damn thing about it. All they're doing is verifying lawfully seated electors by those state legislatures. They cannot tell the state legislatures who to seat. They can't fight it. It's very important. The Democratic presidential candidate was certified the winner of the four swing states Giuliani mentioned, though alternate slates of electors cast votes for Trump. Giuliani and Trump's legal team were working to convince state legislators to take back the power to appoint electors. But none did so before the votes were cast on December 14th. They're now pushing state lawmakers to decertify the election results and potentially certify Trump as the winner of the states, citing irregularities including alleged fraud. The numbers were wrong. Therefore, they must be decertified, Giuliani said in the podcast on Christmas. Decertification would require, in most swing states, support from at least a handful of Democrats, something considered unlikely. We don't know that. So that's what's going on right now in terms of that battle. And I think that's where the major battle is going to be fought. Even before it gets to Congress on the 6th, it's going to be in the state houses in those battleground states. But now let's get to some of the people we were just talking about before when it came to this battle on the 6th. One player who thinks he has no role in it is Utah Senator Mitt Romney. And he made his worthlessness known when commenting on the COVID relief bill. Now Biden, of course, is urging Trump to sign the bill with the paltry $600 per American. Senator Mitt Romney, Utah, said he opposes raising the stimulus check in COVID-19 relief package from to 2000 from 600 as suggested by President Donald Trump and other officials. Quote, if we went to 2000 per person, the additional borrowing would be up to almost 500 billion. Someone's got to pay for that. We just can't have free money. The former Republican presidential candidate said he also opposes even providing the $600 stimulus. However, isn't it interesting that former governor, current Senator Romney, doesn't appear to be opposed to the other spending measures, including in the massive bill, including $300 million to the Paycheck Protection Program, billions of dollars for landlords, and $47 billion for transportation. And let's not even factor in they're probably $500 billion, or close to it, in foreign aid. $1.4 billion to Egypt, $700 million to the Sudan, $400-some-odd million to the Ukraine. Why doesn't that debt, that additional debt service, 
trouble Mr. Romney? Why is it only money going to the people in the country that he's supposed to serve? Debt to the Egyptians doesn't bother him, but debt to mom and pop that run the corner store, that bothers him. I mean, these aren't loans that we're giving to these countries. We're just giving them the money. What are they giving us? What is that great export that Sudan gives us? Sand? It's all they've got. It's a one-horse dump. But this is the kind of thing that Romney supports. We're going to have to start taking names, ladies and gentlemen. Get your pens and pencils out. Mitt Romney. We know now Senator John Cornyn from Texas. John Thune, the majority whip. And the big piece of garbage, Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch McConnell can act all cocky because he was just recently re-elected. But we're going to have to make sure we have long memories like an elephant and don't forget and make sure that this is the last term he ever serves. And maybe we can even get some energy going for a recall election. But it's clear that these people have to go. But this is what's going on, being undermined. Look, Trump's not going away. I don't care what they do to him on January 6th. He's not going away. Even if they manage to succeed in getting him out of the White House, he's not disappearing. He's just not that kind of guy. He doesn't run from a fight. He steps up to the plate. He will, he will be in the forefront to start the Patriot Party. And I predict, as I have predicted for some time, that either he himself or one of his children will start their own news network, which will destroy Fox. And by the way, in case you didn't know, latest information, according to uh, Greg Bowler, the, member the former member of The Five, who's now been on Newsmax and other places, Fox has lost 40% of its viewership since the election. Since August, compared to what they got in November, they lost 40% of their viewership. And their big hosts have not been immune. Tucker Carlson's lost about a third. Laura Ingram's lost almost half of her audience. Martha McCallum's lost a significant percentage. Shockingly, maybe not so shockingly when you hear my reasoning, the biggest loser on Fox News has been Sean Hannity, their star. He's lost almost two-thirds of his viewing audience since the network stabbed Trump in the back, calling Arizona. Making sure that the order in which they called the states showed that he never led throughout the evening. They held back calling Florida while calling Arizona, because if they called Florida first without calling Arizona, Trump would have been in the lead, and it would have shown like a momentum. They didn't want that to happen. Fox was so pathetically in the tank. But why pick on a guy like Sean Hannity? Well, I'll tell you. Because Sean Hannity has been a very, very strong supporter of the president, but Sean Hannity is almost a little bit too much of a cheerleader. He never finds anything wrong with any Republican. But he's a good man otherwise, but I think what people expected is that, well, if you're going to be that much of a cheerleader and you're that principled as you claim to be, why are you still working for Fox? Why haven't you left Fox, broken your contract and gone to Newsmax or uh, OAN News or something like that? Why are you still with Fox? And I can understand people's dissatisfaction because apparently as much as they probably don't like the fact that their network did what they did to Trump, they don't want to walk away from that money. So the money's more important to them than patriotism. Who the hell are you kidding? They all want the money. They're all about the freaking money. And they're not hurting for money, any of them. Laura Ingram, last time I checked, is worth over $60 million. Where she's going to spend it all? Sean Hannity isn't exactly on Skid Row either. 
He's worth at least what she's worth, probably twice that much. He's got more money than he'll ever need for the rest of his life. Ditto for all these big stars. So you've hooked your cart to the star of Fox. You're going to go down the tubes with Fox. You better hope that when Trump starts his network, that he gives you an offer to work there. Because if you're going to stick with Fox, Fox will become the new CNN. In fact, it was reported that CNN actually beat Fox in the ratings in November. When you consider nobody's watching CNN, except people who have to in an airport, because CNN pays the airports a fee to make sure they're the only station, that's pretty sad. I mean, when CNN starts beating you in ratings, it's time to hang it up. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.